This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige and engineering first. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello, it's the best part of your week. That's right, the world's best construction podcast is back in your ears or on your audio device, whatever that audio device may be. I'm pretty confident in this in this statement. I'm pretty confident this is the best bit of your week because the news right now is pretty depressing. Uh, I'm here, I'm Fred Mills, I'm the founder, face, voice, fast becoming minor celebrity behind the B1M. Uh, and I'm here with our new chief revenue officer, Lord Liam Marsh. And Luke Bly, one of our content producers in charge of podcasting. Let's come to Liam first. How you doing, mate? In London? I am, mate. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm here in person. Um, got to catch up with you two guys yesterday over some um, some light refreshments and uh, afternoon tea, which is always good. Um, yeah, still loving being here. Loving here. I'm still here for another four weeks. So uh, I've just slid back into my London lifestyle, which is great. <laughs> How like are you doing? Slide into some DMs or something like that. Exactly, man. Well, not not quite like that, but um, I'm, no. I'm, I'm well behaved while I'm here. But um, thanks for like consolidating the English stereotype of afternoon tea as well. Like, for anyone listening in other parts of the world, there, there was scones, there were jam. The queen, the queen made a, a brief appearance and then left yeah. again. Yeah, exactly. Clotted exactly cream, all the good stuff, all the good stuff. <laughs> How are you doing, Luke? It was good to see you yesterday, mate. It was grand, wasn't it, mate? It was, it was grand. I thought for a second you said we caught up over some, um, like, skewers or whatever you call. Schooners. Schooners. <laughs> Schooners. <laughs> yeah, we had a few beerios, went for some chicken, didn't we? It was great, mate. It was really mm. good. Fred was like, oh, I have to go run a business and leave <laughs> us a little bit earlier. So, But that's fine. That's fine. You know. No, it was great. It was great being, in, like, together in person after mm. all these months. It was lovely. Absolutely. It was lovely. Yeah, sorry I had to shoot off, guys. I've, I've, a busy, busy time for the B1M. It's back-to-back meetings, travel, flights, celebrity appearances, you know. It's mm. all jet set. <laughs> well, you go, don't you go to New York? You go to New York this week, right? I'm about to get on an airplane when this podcast comes out and you guys are all listening to it in your millions. I will be uh, in New York City with uh, YouTube for the YouTube's Educon conference. I'm one of the speakers over there this week, which is very cool. Look out. I'll be putting all over social media. I absolutely love New York. <laughs> you know, as, you, as you might expect, you'll get lots of Fred Mills uh, pictures and images on overload. But yeah, it's been, a, it's been a huge week. We've had a fantastic reaction to the Battersea video. I've never had so many messages, emails, comments, people saying how emotional it made them feel. People really thankful for the us kind of covering quite a difficult topic um mm. and sharing their own views on the topic and their own experiences which has been really really touching um we've had new people join the team this week uh, we've got international trips coming up it's it's crazy it's all going on now we've got an absolute little banger of a show coming your way this week we have got kuala lumpur's skyscraper boom explained which came out on the b1m yesterday we are going back into the Tomorrow's Build archives and looking at the sand crisis. Yes, we made a video about sand. It was actually interesting. It's actually really good. Uh, also in the news, we've got Singapore's new Changi Airport Terminal 5, which looks immense. A absolute madman has free-climbed the Shard in London. We've also got a funny comment of the week and some of your emails. Let's go. So, first up this week, guys, we have got Kuala Lumpur's Skyscraper Boom Explained. This is a video that came out on the B1M yesterday, all about Kuala Lumpur's Skyscraper Boom, funnily enough. Now, in case you didn't know, Kuala Lumpur is one of Southeast Asia's fastest growing cities. Did you know that, Liam? No. (laughs) You do now? (laughs) (laughs) That's so random. You must have flown over it many times. 
I've been to KL uh, a number of times, actually. My uh, my brother used to live there. I'm, I'm a big fan of KL. So um, this video is was, was quite interesting, especially when we talk about the greenery, a quarter of the, the lifestyle quarter is going to be um, parkland. Because first thing I noticed when I went to KL is it's just concrete for miles and miles and miles. You've got like, you can, the outskirts is like jungle. Um, but yeah, so I think this is a, a well, a much needed thing for the city, for sure. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. So this, this place, if anyone doesn't know, as Liam shortened it very trendily to KL, <laughs> Kuala Lumpur, capital of Malaysia, home of the Petronas Towers, the former world's tallest buildings at 452 metres. They're kind of like twin towers, basically. They look the same. They're kind of conical shape. They've got like a, a cone top on as well, tapering cone top. Featured in a terrible movie called Entrapment back in the day with Catherine Zeta-Jones and I think it was Sean Connery. Uh, it's now home to Medeca PMB 118, which is the second tallest building in the world. An absolutely beautiful building. Uh, a bit controversial because it becomes the second tallest building in the world by rising to 689 metres, but that's largely thanks to its spire. So the actual roof line of the building is 519 metres. We did a whole video around this controversy, around skyscrapers sticking pylons on top and masts on top and what counts as height, what doesn't count as height. Anyway, it's officially uh, regarded as a mega tall skyscraper and the second tallest building in the world, right in the heart of Kuala Lumpur. You can't miss it because it's kind of quite tall. Now, Malaysia's capital wants to compete in the region and become what's known as one of these kind of Asian tiger economies. So there's kind of a number of major economies around Southeast Asia. Malaysia isn't really one of them right now. It wants to compete and, and become one of them. To do that, it's building several new mega projects, including, as Liam alluded to already, the Tun Razak Exchange, which is very fancily shortened to TRX. So this aims to become the city's new central business district all on its own. So it's one development that's going to set out to become the new kind of CBD of all of its own back. 30 buildings with a combined gross floor area of over 2.2 million square metres, in the middle of it all, as Liam said, is the Exchange TRX, which is the new lifestyle quarter. That includes a 10-acre rooftop park on top of it, and the greenery kind of bleeds down and grows into the buildings underneath in the renders. Whether it does in real life, we'll, we'll wait and see. Loads of other cool features as well. They've got a wastewater recycling system that's going to save 500 million litres a year. That's equivalent to 200 Olympic pools worth of water. They've done local material sourcing. There's surfaces designed to avoid solar gain so the buildings don't get too hot, so you don't have to have as much air conditioning or cooling systems in them. Uh, and then right in the middle of it all, we've got a great big banging skyscraper, the 446-metre Exchange 106, third tallest building in Malaysia. It's got this incredible glass crown on top of it. That's already completed. It was built in record time. Pretty awesome development, major city growth, skyscrapers, the works. What do you guys make of it? I think it's a place that is obviously ambitious, um, and it's a huge city, right? I mean, what do you know what the population of... I'm going to call it KL as well. I feel yeah, like while well, everyone else is that. calling it that. I'll go, <laughs> yes, mate. you know, Ku- Kuala Lumpur, it just doesn't quite... It, it almost feels difficult to say, like, with the English tongue. I don't know, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's the Essex tongue. I don't know. Uh, yeah, KL. Um, it seems like a big city and an ambitious city. Um, I do have, and I, I, I just want to say this right now, I do have a little bit of an issue with kind of this quote-unquote skyscraper boom, right? Um, because when I see photos, and you have to bear in mind, I'm only seeing this through photos and videos online. I've never been there. I've never seen it in person. But it does feel like, oh, there's a little plot of land over there. Let's build a skyscraper. There's a plot of land half a mile that way. Let's build a skyscraper. It doesn't feel like there's a cohesive kind of plan and there's no central place where all the skyscrapers are. It just seems really, it almost seems random. This district might change that, but there was a few, there's a few things like in the video, like even says, oh, we want this to be like, or it's going to be like a city within a city. And I personally, I really dislike that kind of language. You know, I really want, new developments and districts to be integrated within the city not become so separate to it that you can say yeah this is a city within a city now nah, it should be really like a heart and soul of somewhere like KL I don't know that's that's kind of my initial thoughts on it I mean some of the designs are sweet you know some of the designs like look mm. great but yeah I don't know 
I think the main uh, the main strap line we're using to promote this on social media is that Kuala Lumpur's building a multi-billion dollar city within a city. So um, thanks for that, Luke. We'll, uh, we'll, take, that, <laughs> we'll take that feedback on board, mate. <laughs> That's just my opinion. That's just my opinion, you know. Like, really hate language like that. <laughs> sometimes it works really, really well, right? Like the Docklands in London kind of works well, you know, but it has its issues. It has its issues, you know. The, the, like Canary Wharf is in East London. You go there, doesn't feel like East London, right? So there's there's a whole conversation to have around that. And I just worry that there's there's a few, I think, uh, Asian cities that do this, right? They just like bulldoze an area and make it into like kind of this new new district, and it's completely different. It feels completely cut off to the rest of the city, and that's not always good for people that live there. I don't know. I don't mean to get all battersy on this, but you know, <laughs> there is. Uh, I should just say, for balance, there is a major infrastructure upgrade going on as well. There's new train lines, there's new bus routes, uh, there's roads being built. There, there okay. is a yeah, they are connecting to the city. So, okay, mm. all right, fair play. What do you, what's your guys' thoughts on the um, on the new skyscraper, on the actual design of it, Exchange One Hundred Six, the one with the um, the third tallest skyscraper? It's a, it's got the forty eight meter glass crown on top i think i think it's quite eye-catching it looks it looks obviously it's a bit of a square glass box like they all are to a point <laughs> eye-catching i think i think the, the top is, is pretty eye-catching? eye-catching is it i don't know it is eye-catching not but yeah. there are a lot of things that are eye-catching you know <laughs> if if my house was on fire it'd be eye-catching for a lot of people you know what's that over there um <laughs> yeah i don't know mate again I, I sound like a really miserable old man on this podcast th- this week it's because i was spending time with liam last night <laughs> <laughs> no it's um do you know what it's not for me mate it's not for me. I think the crown doesn't really speak to the rest of the structure. It, yeah. it, again, it seems a bit random. Just looks seems out of like place, plonk. right? Yeah, they've gone right plonk on mm. top. So with that, Fred, so <laughs> just um, a bit of context. Can you explain to us the difference between just the, the building time frame? So, they, so we say in the video, it, j- it took just three years to build that, right? Yeah. So how long in, say, London or... New York or, or somewhere sort of like that, would it take to build a similar skyscraper? Because I don't You'd think be- three years is realistic. No, like I want to get, I want to give you a clear answer. It's it's probably a couple of years longer. The truth is, it depends on soil conditions, other stuff you've got to move out of the way, the foundations you've got to big dig, whether you've got a basement, uh, how high it is, what materials you're using. Yeah, all there's so many factors. But yeah, basically they they've built that very quickly. I think going back to my my eye catching comment, I think the reason it's eye catching is because, <laughs> and this goes back to Luke's earlier point, a lot of skyscrapers are built outside of skyscraper clusters in Kuala Lumpur, so they end up standing on their own in the middle of the city. So they instantly become eye catching because they're the tallest thing for you know, mm. some distance around. Medeca mm. PNB one one eight, the world's second tallest building. The pictures of that are so striking because nothing around it is even remotely as tall. So it just looks like this enormous building that's been kind of Almost like it's kind of landed from outer space and kind of touched down on the on the on the city. So I think that's what contributes to the eye catching comment. Just just to kind of try and get myself out do of you, my previous my previous do, comment do you and justify like, it. Do you like the design though of of the tower? Because I know you said it's eye catching, but does that mean like on a personal level? Do you look at this and go, "Oh, that's beautiful"? I think what I like about it is it's different. I think a lot of skyscrapers can all blend into one and just be glass boxes. I think something that is different that you haven't really seen before, whether you like it or not, is a good thing because it it creates a bit of variety. You know, I, I quite like Canary Wharf in London because the the one Canada Square building it's got the pyramid on top. I know it's a glass box, not that exciting, but it is a bit different, and you remember it because of that feature. Um, obviously. Many other skyscrapers take it much further. The Empire State is iconic in its own right because of its shape. The Shard is the same. Uh, you could say it about uh, the, the new South Bank, the walkie-talkie, the new South Bank Bubula <laughs> Tower that's being built in Melbourne. Yeah, they're they're properly distinctive. But yeah, I think I do. I do. I do like it. Mm. Yeah, it's. Um... I feel alone in this view on this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're ganging up the on thing you. Is- mate. <laughs> like you guys, you guys know that I love skyscrapers, right? I'm such a skyscraper geek, and um, 
I'm, I'm very like when when they're building these towers in like London, there's always people that are like, oh, I don't want this being built. And it even happens in New York now, you know, they'll be building skyscrapers wherever and people are like, oh, no, we, we shouldn't be building that there. That's not the right tower for this. But I'm always leaning usually toward the construction of them because I, because I like it. I like the the feeling of being in a, in, in a skyscraper city. I think it's interesting. It adds kind of another layer of, of of interest to just look at and i don't know i like that but here i don't know if i can say the same mate i i just think um it looks a bit bang average <laughs> it looks a little <laughs> bit bang average i feel the and same like it for me messy. It's, it's, it's so messy man yeah it's it's rapid development i guess on the skyscraper point it's still the, the for me it's still the construction project that leaves me awe-inspired. Like, it's incredible mm. how they can build these foundations. They come from the ground, they come up, and they just go up into the sky. These buildings no, are incredible. I agree. Yeah, and it's no, just, I yeah, agree. It's, the most, it's the coolest bit of construction. It really is. Sorry to anyone else working on any other really cool projects. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I think I've said this many times. ITER, the International Thermonuclear Reactor, that's pretty cool. There are some great dams, some great bridges, but this is pretty awesome. Skyscrapers. Yeah, skyscrapers. Oh, Fred, you know, you know, we bond over this kind of stuff, mate. <laughs> yeah, the li- and the listeners will find that out. Like we, we, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy watching a skyscraper just go up. Like the process of the core just gradually building, each floor plate getting added, and then the cladding goes on, and we find out it's been value engineered. You know, so much fun. It's always drama, but it's so much fun. And that's honestly got what got me interested in this industry. It's yeah. not much else. It is skyscraper construction specifically. And um, so I, I'm always going to have a soft spot. So I suppose my point is, is that despite the fact I have a soft spot and an obvious bias, I'm still looking at this and going, oh, mate, I'm, I'm not sure if this is working for me. And I think that's a little bit concerning, you know, but I... I also, I'm sure there's going to be tons of people that adore this tower. And yeah. maybe in person, it's a lot better. I don't know. Am I being too negative? No, no. Maybe I mean, I there am. you go, guys. On the on the Luke Bly scale of zero to gorgeous, it hasn't it hasn't quite ranked. It hasn't quite got up there mm. to the, the G word. Wow, this might be the first episode you haven't dropped it. <laughs> well, it there's, always to, there's always later, mate. Yeah. yeah. There's always later. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Good point, mate. G word. It's um, it's it's pretty insane the growth of some Asian countries in the last twenty to thirty years, right? I noticed we said in the video that um, KL will be well, sorry, Malaysia will be a fully developed country by two thousand twenty-five, so five years earlier than planned. That's some yeah, seriously impressive growth. Yeah, while other like countries in the West are getting very busy and preoccupied with politics and who's going to be mm. prime minister. <laughs> Other countries are just getting on with it, really, and kind of cracking on and building their economies. Now, we should say this has not been smooth sailing, uh, as as we I was know. Say, it's the opposite, isn't it? <laughs> like- yeah. it's, um, there's been, been some issues here, as with any major mega projects worldwide. There's there's been some scandal, some controversy, uh, and this actually links quite nicely to last week's Battersea video, believe it or not. So. The TRX was subject to a major corruption scandal at one point where basically around 4.5 billion US dollars of funds were misappropriated by one uh, MDB to government officials and bankers. Now, there's a lot of detail around all that, but basically it's all resulted in the former Prime Minister of Malaysia, Najib Razak, being jailed for 12 years. Now, rewind to 2013 and our little Battersea video that includes video footage of the groundbreaking of Battersea Power Station and that new development in 2013. And you'll see that Malaysian Prime Minister there uh, supporting the (laughs) Malaysian development on the ground in London stood next to former Prime Minister, well, now former Prime Minister David Cameron and now former Prime Minister, then London Mayor Boris Johnson, all merrily digging up the ground um, to, to put it together. So, yeah, interesting times for this for this project and other projects worldwide. should say that the Tun-Razak exchange is named after a different Prime Minister. It's not named after Najib Razak. It's, um, thank- oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I, I, I swear I read something that he allegedly 
had seven hundred million dollars transferred into his account, and he and he was just he was just like, oh, I don't know how it got there. <laughs> it's just like, Interest. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, so I didn't um, notice. I didn't notice that actually. Yeah, you know. Oh, oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's more than it was. What I'm saying, allegedly. What I'm saying, allegedly, Liam. I've, I've oh, taught mate, you really worry. well now. Yeah, you, thank you. You've scorned fair into me, mate. Yeah, for balance. <laughs> yeah, for balance. <laughs> yeah, for balance. For balance. Uh, yeah. Now, as if TRX weren't massive and enormous enough, this huge development being built in the middle of Kuala Lumpur, there's another one. So there's this thing called KL Metropolis, another 70-acre site. Um, over two decades, they're building an enormous amount of construction projects, uh, buildings, skyscrapers, exhibition centres, the kind of focus of that development is more on trade and exhibition, so they kind of make they want to make the city this major uh, location and hub for conferences, exhibitions, people to travel into. Uh, so yeah, they're they're going for it. Whether it's whether it's successful, whether the architecture looks great, whether the whether the funding's legitimate is up for grabs. But uh, yeah, pretty exciting time in Malaysia. It's interesting that they're pushing the um, you know conferences and events like a hub for that, especially with you know, the pandemic and things like that with Asia as well. I know a lot of China is still locked down, a lot of big cities in China and things like that. So is that, that's quite an interesting take, right? I know they've been building for for a while, but it's, um, yeah, it's quite interesting to see if, if more and more people are going to start traveling internationally again for events, for conferences and things like that. Yeah, I guess they will. I think, I think I've definitely seen that pick up, um, through through my traveling recently um i think there's definitely a lot of that coming back it's actually quite a clever strategy so obviously this is a two-decade project so they're they're investing for the very long term here um but i think it's, it's quite a good strategy to make your city a good conference exhibition hub because you get a lot of people traveling in staying a few days you know can, they, these conferences can bring 10 20 000 people in sometimes you know whether it's comic con or some of the big construction fairs they have out in munich barcelona they do world economic forum conferences in um in davos but also they do a, a you know, world building conference i think in barcelona so there's there's some big things it's quite yeah it's quite a good strategy yeah it's not something that's going away anytime soon is it i mean even when you guys are in san diego you know you can't replicate being in a huge room with different people, meeting new people, like you can't, you can't replicate that with like Zoom or with Teams or with Google, like whatever. So, and and I've noticed even like going up London for work, and I've noticed so many people going back to the offices. I think we even we talked about that at the pub yesterday, didn't we? That there is kind of more of a hybrid culture, so people are definitely working from home more. But there are just certain things where I, I can't see a lot of companies saying, yeah, you can work 100% from home. You know, it's just, I, I don't feel it's realistic. And I think a lot of um, construction firms, companies, governments, I think they know that. And I think they're planning for the long term, you know, and they're, they are probably thinking, look, in 20 years time, are we going to look back at this and go, do you know what? Like that was a blip, you know? And in 20 years' time, it will be back to everyone in offices and convention centers. And so strategically, it, it could be, and I say could be, a smart move, you know, kind of getting ahead of the curve a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, it's difficult with these projects. I think we've we've encountered this issue a lot on most of the stuff we've covered on B1M because some of it is so big and goes on for so long. You're you're mm. kind of designing and planning stuff now that's going to be used by people in ten years' time. And how the how the heck do you plan for the future? You know, I, I remember talking to people in 2015, 2016, who were designing stations on the you know, Britain's HS2 line. They're designing rail stations that are going to be opened in the the late 2020s. And it's like, you know, what what infrastructure do we put in? What wiring do we put in? What kind of level of internet connectivity do we need? So are people going to park cars? Are they going to be cycling? Are they going to be landing on some sort of hover pods? You know, <laughs> it's like, so you have to kind of build in that flexibility and that adaptability. And you have to kind of look at the, when a project's that big, that influential and over that longer period of time, you need to look at the general big picture direction and then build in as much flexibility as you can. That makes sense. And and with where KL is situated, I suppose they're kind of within reach for a lot of different markets, right? 
like what we sound like it's not crazy far from australia right it's not crazy far from all of southeast asia from east asia from south asia so it, it and i suppose that's why singapore is so successful right it's kind of like a hub and it's used its uh geographical location to its advantage dubai is trying to do the same thing right trying to take advantage of being what is it like 90 percent of the world's population is within a few hours of dubai i think is that right yeah if you take that if you take that three hour airplane circle and drop it over some of these big cities in asia you'll find there's pretty much always at least a billion people within Mm. three hours of that city and that's huge dubai has the advantage of being kind of in the center of the traditional world map if you kind of ignore the Pacific around the back. <laughs> and <laughs> it's, yeah, it's where most flights transit through. They actually, Dubai actually leaned into that. They recognized that they were the major stopover place and built to kind of draw people to stay a bit longer and stop over for longer. So, yeah, clever strategy. Do, does projects like this make you want to visit Malaysia? You know, 100%. looking... Yeah, yeah, because I look at it and I go, do you know what, though? As much as I'm, I'm moaning about it, I, like if someone's like, oh, Luke, we're going to go Kuala. If you were like, oh, we're going to do construction conference of the year or something in, in KL in Malaysia. <laughs> Luke, do you want to come along? I'd be like, yeah, sure, mate. Sounds great. Can't wait. You know, so I suppose that is a testament to the uh, boom that they've experienced in KL, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let us know what you think about this, guys. Let us know what you think about this new development. Podcast at the B1M.com. Do you like the skyscraper? What do you think of the development? Do you like the rooftop garden? Would you go? Send us your emails. So, also this week, guys, we are delving into the Tomorrow's Bills archives. Going back, going, going on to Tomorrow's Bills, we're going back to yesterday. See what I did there. Uh, mm-hmm. This is, yeah, clever. <laughs> Tune in for the construction content. Stay for the jokes. Stay for Fred's mm-hmm. amazing gags. Um, this video is called This Could Stop Construction Everywhere. I brought this out a few months back on tomorrow's build. It's about the global sand shortage. Now, in case you didn't know, the world's running out of sand. That's a huge issue for construction because it's used in loads of construction materials. Steel, glass, paint but especially in our concrete. So sand is used to bind cement and water to make concrete. And because we're running out of sand, that has huge implications for the construction sector. Now, for anyone that's currently going, what do you mean running out of sand? I've been down the beach, there's loads of it. Or I'm currently stood on the middle of the Sahara Desert. Why would you be listening to this podcast? Thank you if you are. But uh, that, that type of sand is useless. Desert sand is absolutely useless. So the grains that are formed by wind that you kind of find on land are they're too rounded they're not really strong enough to build upon or to use in the construction process what we need is coarser grain sand that's typically found on riverbeds and coastlines that's the sand we're running out of to underline that issue dubai which as you may know is kind of built right bang in the middle of the of the desert actually had has actually had to import sand to feed its construction projects because it didn't have enough of the right type of sand, which is pretty shocking and frustrating. Now, because the mining of this has got so extreme, we are seriously running out of sand. Its use has tripled over the past two decades as urban development has increased. One of the major problems is that people think of sand as a local resource. They, they just assume they've got loads of it locally to them in their city or country. And because of that, there's not a very good system for exporting it or sharing it around the world. There isn't very good kind of infrastructure for doing it. So it's not a very well-managed resource worldwide because people think it's it's widely available. Now, there is a solution on the table. The UN's Sand Observatory, yes, the United Nations has a sand observatory. How cool and exciting a place to work does that sound? They've produced a strategy and it's all about focusing on international cooperation so getting more people talking together sharing their sand building a sand sharing infrastructure basically now one thing they've identified is that ore sand which is a byproduct from mining could be used to solve the issue so ore sand is basically this kind of waste product that comes out of mining it's there's there's too much of it but that could be suitable for use in construction so there's kind of this planning around how we could use ore sand to solve this problem help us uh you know create the steel glass paint concrete that we need 
it's got so bad that there are now sand pirates, which are kind of uh, violent <laughs> gangs who dominate and control global <laughs> sand supply uh, and will trade it illegally for ridiculous amounts of money and influence and power. Um, yeah, all pretty, all pretty interesting stuff. <laughs> yeah. All pretty suppressive stuff. Um, what do you guys? What do you guys make of this? The 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 big fat global sand shortage. Yeah, my key takeaway, and I think a lot of people in the comment section um, had had the same thought. Is I literally thought you could just get sand for construction for bricks from the desert. So seeing this video, I, I was quite shocked. I was like, oh wow, okay, how dumb am I? Yeah, it's it's mad though because you just associate sand and there being lots of it around the world right whether it's in north africa the middle east the outback you know wherever i don't know where else they've got sand like i know there's beaches but you know um other than that it's kind of it's kind of difficult to think hang on there's only a few places that have sand and a lot of the sand isn't good enough and we use a sa- we use sand a lot even in paint that's mental paint yeah. oh wow what and uh i don't know you yeah, there's only so much sand to go around, guys. There's only mm, so much sand. S- especially with the sand pirates around, mate. I know, the sand pirates <laughs> are making it even more dodgy. <laughs> ridiculous. Those naughty boys going around <laughs> nicking sand, selling sand. Who do yeah. they sell sand to? Do we know? Who's buying know. sand off do the black just, market? Do they just rock up with a, a car and a boot full of sand and just say, how, many, <laughs> how much do you guys want? Get your own For- shovel, fill up your bag, weigh it. There we go. For balance, what countries do you think are uh, buying sand illegally? I know one, but I'm not going to say it. For balance, <laughs> I'm going to be fair. Are these like some sort of shady guys that's like shuffling over to you in a nightclub or like, you know, on a street corner? Hey, hey, yeah. do you want some sand? sand. How much for <laughs> a gram, man? What? <laughs> 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 Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, but it, it, even when you look at, um, we mentioned Dubai earlier, but like Dubai probably isn't helping, is it? <laughs> With their mental sand. <laughs> sand islands and whatnot that they make and then do nothing with they just let rot that's not helping anyone is it i think it was that's actually sand they dredged up from the seabed locally to them funnily enough but uh i think in 2014 alone dubai imported nearly half a billion dollars worth of sand that's a lot that's that's a big sand castle right there you could you could do some good good work with that <laughs> with the ore sand um you often hear quite a lot of concepts or like uh, innovations and things like that that can help the construction industry and they can change and things like that. And I, I just keep hearing more and more of it on our videos and things like that. That there's this new, new product or, or, or whatever that can that can change things. Do you, like, when was the last time we heard of a new product seriously affecting the construction industry for better? So this all sand stuff. So it sounds like it could work, right? How long, like, when was the last time we heard of something like this and it was actually implemented? Well, a few weeks back, we spoke about graphene on this podcast. So there you go. There's oh. one example. Oh, um, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, but no, you're right, Liam. I think there's, we build with steel, concrete, occasionally timber, and we don't really innovate or create new materials very often in construction. I think that's why the graphene thing is such a big deal. Um, this, this is a, a dramatic situation. It really is. Like, I think people think, I think, well, A, the Tomorrow's Build team did a really good job of making a video on sand actually interesting. But when people hear about the sand shortage, it all sounds a bit dry and a bit dull. But they don't realise, actually, if the construction industry doesn't get the sand it needs to create the materials that it's building with, that starts to have enormous repercussions across pretty much every major economy worldwide. So this is a serious issue. It's one we've got to get right. And I think the seriousness is driving innovation it's driving it to be you know kicked up and looked up even by the united nations and it, it breed that kind of situation does produce and breed innovation and that's where the ore sand idea has come from funnily enough i think we say this in the video the amount of ore sand that's currently sitting doing nothing that's a waste and overspill from mining is almost exactly the same amount that we need or certainly a sizable chunk of what we need to solve the construction shortage so yeah, pretty interesting stuff. I think to a point as well, this does make the case for 
bigger, wider material innovation? Yeah, can we find other stuff to build with? Right, that doesn't require sand at all, like timber, which I've been advocating for many, many years. <laughs> well, it goes to show. I love stories like this because it goes to show that we do so many things um, that we're just like used to. That's a given that we're taught in schools, in universities, and in, in whatever industry you're in. And then someone comes along and says, oh, have we thought about doing this? And we all kind of go, nah, we haven't thought about doing that. But that's a really good idea. And this is just one example, you know, just imagine how many other things we're doing that is completely daft, you know, really daft and could be done so much more efficiently. Um, And I think this is just one of them, you know, like with a lot of resources and materials that are finite, you know, you, you. It's it's a no-brainer that you're going to need to find an alternative. It's not even an option. And what frustrates me is some people pretend like it is an option. Like, yeah, no, nah, that's fine, whether it's fuel or whatever. And it's like, no, guys, there's only so much of this stuff that we <laughs> that we can get and extract and use. And something like ore sand, it's such it's a genius solution, isn't it? It's the perfect solution, but from from the sounds of it anyway. So I love hearing things like that and I love learning things like that. And again, that's why so tomorrow's build, the B1M is so good, so good, because I can oh, learn <laughs> I can learn all this useless stuff that I'm not gonna apply into my everyday life, but hopefully geniuses up the ladder will. You know? Yeah. As I said earlier, the, the key to solving this issue really does hang on effective international cooperation now there's loads of that in the world right now so i'm sure i'm sure we'll get it sorted i'm sure it'll be fine um one other interesting fact that we've we've found when researching this video is actually that sand is the second most consumed resource on this planet after water how amazing is that what yes it's insane whoa Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Mine's blown over here, guys. Mine's have been blown. <laughs> Liam, Liam, don't you know a fact about sand in Barcelona? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I thought I'd brought this up before. The sand in um Barcelona Beach, that's all imported. I believe it's all imported from Egypt, I think. The beach is actually man-made. They they made it for the 1992 Olympics, I believe. Mad. Wow. I thought it had a Red Sea feel. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's actually from Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's It's ridiculous, though. It's absolutely ridiculous. That's not something that you would assume, no. is it, at all? Absolutely the, not. A whole beach has been basically imported. Yeah. You just don't think of that, but it goes to show when, when Fred drops those knowledge bombs that sand is like the most second most consumed <laughs> thing on the planet... You're like, oh, yeah, no, it makes sense because you've got crazy people out here building beaches where they're not really meant to be. They've just, mm. oh, it looks nice, doesn't it? All the, people, all the tourists are coming for the Olympics. Let's build a beach. But Barcelona Beach is pretty cool. So, mm. yeah, But Egypt are annoyed. But it's, there's some sort of uh, you know bloke going down the beach in Egypt with his speedos on, gets there and is like, whoa, <laughs> it's a pile of rocks. Where's the beach gone? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's in Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Let us know what you think of this issue, guys. Podcast at the B1M.com. I'm saying it again. If uh, you've been affected by the sand shortage, if you're one of these dusty sand pirates, I imagine walking around kind of covered in sand, sand pouring out your pockets and stuff, uh, let us know your take on this from your perspective for balance. That would be good to hear. Um, and yeah, we'll read about next week. Balance. <laughs> So, also in the news this week, guys, Singapore's Changi Airport, one of the world's coolest and most exciting airports, announced plans for its new Terminal 5. So, they've announced plans for Terminal 5 before, but they actually revealed a very beautifully produced render by Heatherwick Studio and Cohen Pedersen Fox, two fantastic architecture firms collaborating together. The terminal looks awesome. It's going to add an incredible amount of capacity to this airport. The airport's going to be able to basically double its passenger volumes to 50 million passengers each year. They're planning to start building it in 2024. It's then going to open and start welcoming flights from the mid-2030s. What do you guys think of this uh, incredible... I'm I'm being very biased. What do you think of this incredible, beautiful airport terminal? Do you agree with me? I think, Fred, I think 
it looks gorgeous from <laughs> from from a bird's eye view from a bird's eye view looks good but i don't know what it looks like from ground level i can have a guess but <laughs> that's the problem with some of these renders it's like oh yeah it looks great from when you're taking off or landing i suppose but i don't know it, yeah it, it looks impressive though and i know singapore we mentioned it earlier on in the show didn't we singapore is this just massive hub of business and aviation and all kinds of industry but um yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised, mate, that they're building a, another terminal on this scale as well. It's massive. It's and huge, it dwarfs, yeah. right? Dwarfs everything else kind of in, in the render. So, yeah, it looks impressive, mate. And, I, and, and the roof does look, it does look gorgeous. Come on. Come on. It does, doesn't it, mate? Changi Airport's great as well. It's probably, it's, it's probably my favorite airport in the world to transit through. It's absolutely massive as well. Takes a long time to get from one terminal to the other. Everyone says it's like one of the best airports. Yeah, yeah it's really There's good. Really quite gl- a high architectural bar here because it's because it is, as Liam's been saying, such an iconic airport. It's got that indoor waterfall in the middle of it. Um, why wouldn't you put an indoor rainforest-inspired waterfall in the middle of your airport? Um, so you know, there's there's quite a lot of expectation with it, and I think this this design does meet that. I think the roof design in particular kind of has echoes of what Heatherwick did with the Google campus up in Mountain View, California. Kind of links to that a bit. Uh, lots of A380s in the renders as well, which uh, gets a big fat tick from me because I love a big plane. Yeah, I love a big plane. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You are, a, you are a big plane nerd, I suppose, Fred. When we were in San Diego, we, we, we were under a flight path and we were, we were sitting down having some lunch and every plane was planes were going past every couple of minutes and Fred's like, oh my God, it's an A380. Look at that. <laughs> it's quite it's quite refreshing to Do see. they land A three eighties at San Diego? No, he's got that wrong, Luke. I was oh, I was basically see? see, I know Fred. Oh, I can okay. tell the difference between the seven three seven Max, the seven three seven, the seven seven seven, the seven eight seven. And also, Liam, it's Avgeek. Avgeek is the term. Okay. Avgeek. Oh, yeah. right. Avgeek. There's a whole the whole community one. of us don't I've disrespect nev- that one. I've never been with someone that's so into planes. It was quite cool. I was like, wow, you really do know yeah. your planes. And then there was the military planes landing and Fred's like, oh my God, that's uh, I'm not even going to attempt to oh, say Oh yeah, it's a big military like, mm. hotspot, isn't it, San it's Diego? Mm. Active right. military port in the world, according to our um, our boat driver. Oh, Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, you you went. (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) Must be true. Busier than all of them. For balance. (laughs) For balance. Yeah, yeah, it it, it is huge. When you look at the the last render, it is absolutely massive. It's like they've doubled the airport, or or even more than that, actually. It looks absolutely huge. Um, I love the entrance. Is it it an entrance? Like, uh, there's. You can kind of catch the motorway there, and the entrance goes through like almost a botanical garden or an English garden. You know, it's that. Yeah, you can kind of see a, it in the render. Yeah, that's a similar thing with the existing terminals as well. It's a very, it's a very every part of it's very beautifully designed. It is, a, it really is. It does seriously punch above its weight. And as you say, this terminal is massive, Luke. And as I said earlier, it's going to mm. double double the existing capacity of this airport. So they are they're investing big in aviation and air travel. Uh, as yeah, an in, in, interesting time to be doing that. You know, there's lots of stuff happening around how to make aviation more efficient. Uh, there's been this long-running debate about hydrogen-powered engines and all this sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, in in a decade where the world is trying to look at reducing its carbon emissions and its impact on the climate, to be going really big like this on an airport, I think, really says where they see that going and the importance of it to their economic growth. Mm. Well, I don't think aviation is slowing down anytime soon, is it? Unless no, no one can afford flights, in which case maybe Ryanair will be flying into uh, Singapore <laughs> Airport, eh? <laughs> That'd be all right, wouldn't it? Would you yeah. like a luxury hot chocolate? Yes, please, mate. That'd be 18 euros. <laughs> Thank you. Allegedly. Allegedly. Ryanair. Yeah, they are all Irish on Ryanair. It's an Irish airline. <laughs> Oh, most, I don't fly. most of my flights don't fly oh. right now often mate I'm oh. often up on uh, British Airways Virgin oh, you know. oh. oh. no I got to have right Ryanair is like one of the most on time airlines isn't it did you know that 
they're on time to a lot of places. They don't cancel a lot really? of their flights. Mm-hmm. I think the only times I've ever been delayed by flights is by Ryanair. I once sat on the tarmac for like seven hours for a flight to Sweden. This flight nah, to Sweden fi- like- you must be thinking of EasyJet or something, mate. No, not, mate. Not, not the beautiful <laughs> Ryanair. Ryanair. <laughs> Well, they're going to, they're looking at allegedly charging people to go to the toilet. (laughs) 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 You can't just use that word all the time now, Liam. Allegedly, I don't know, Liam. (laughs) Allegedly, I'm not sure, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'd I'd fly with them, though, to to Singapore. I've never been to Singapore, though. I'd I'd love to go. It's like a 14-hour flight. You would not fly with Ryanair. No ah, way. Pretty no sure Ryanair a- don't go to Singapore. Just saying, um, yeah. couple quid. couple they quid. Can't. No, what they'll do, Fred, actually, is uh, Ryanair to Cyprus. Cyprus <laughs> to Jeddah. Jeddah to, I don't know, um, Bangalore. Mm. Bangalore to Singapore. Oh, nice, yeah. nice little geography lesson there. Um, I'm, <laughs> I don't know if you guys find this, but with Ryanair, I find they allegedly they drop you off <laughs> kind of close to where the city is, but not actually in the city. I went to Venice with them once, and I wasn't in Venice. I was in northern Italy. It's where they dropped me mm. off, and then it was like freaking two hours to get to Venice. So you're right, yeah, Luke. Maybe they'll just fly you to Cyprus and say, hey, welcome to Singapore. And actually, <laughs> you've, got, you've got to get an Uber from Cyprus to Singapore. <laughs> allegedly. 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 Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They do that, so, do that in Barcelona, Fred. And you have to get a like an hour bus trip into Barcelona. And you're like, hang on. Like, you can see Barcelona on the horizon, like very far away. And they're like, all right, yeah, bus goes every hour. Good luck. Thanks, Ryanair. Um, thanks for being a fantastic <laughs> company. Allegedly, all this stuff is going to be left in the podcast. Now, also in the news this week, guys, allegedly a guy called Adam Lockwood from Manchester, a 21-year-old man with no shoes and no shirt on, has climbed, free-climbed the Shard in central London. Um, he looks a bit crazy. He's known for free-climbing. This was pretty mental. So this happened on uh, the early hours of Sunday morning here in the UK. Um, Metropolitan Police officers called to the site at around 5.30 in the morning. So it was early doors. This guy knows what he's doing. Sunday in London's pretty dead. Um, and yeah, he's free climbed the city's tallest skyscraper. The Shard is 1,017 feet tall, 310 meters. Uh, there was a couple in bed in the hotel who were woken up on Sunday morning to a young man in with no shoes on, no shirt on, <laughs> on, the fourth, on the 40th story, waving to them on his way up. Uh being the mastermind criminal that he is, he posted a picture on his Facebook page that blew up. The police spotted that. He was taken down, arrested, and I believe he's now being charged with trespassing. So uh, there's a reason. There's another reason not to free climb a skyscraper. I mean, the first one is it's crazy, but you'll also get arrested. How um how quick did he do it? Do we know his time? <laughs> and do we know his time? Like... Yeah. <laughs> like- <laughs> Like it's a general measured race. I love it. Uh, don't know, mate. Don't know. Yeah. Probably like, probably like an hour, two hours. You, an hour. Imagine. Do you reckon? Yeah, maybe. Hour, yeah, I've mate. seen. I've seen a few of these. Like, there's actually been a few of these like lads that do it. You know, these like free climbing urbex lads. You yeah. know, and they wear like a GoPro on their forehead, and they. Yeah, it's been done like a couple of times. The shard is seen as like the big, the big daddy to conquer. It's a target. And, yeah. Yeah, they take like weeks to to like plan it and then do it on a specific day that they've chosen. And there's yeah, loads many- of YouTube. There's loads of yeah. YouTube videos. On. There's, there's a guy who free climbed uh, four three two Park Avenue. Or you know, he illegally got in and went up the stairs, but then walked around like free walked around the rooftop parapet of this building. It's absolutely insane. Another couple of guys climbed, free climbed up the crane of uh, Shanghai Tower over in uh, China when it was being built. That is, mm. like, you know, a, that's a six hundred and thirty-two meter building. They were then up off the top of it on top of the tower crane in trainers. I remember it was a on that video. It was a foggy day down on the ground level, but then when they got up there, they were above the clouds in the sunshine. That's how high it was. Um, 
worth saying for people listening this is an illegal thing to do it's also an incredibly stupid thing to do i think two in six or one in six people that do this die a year um oh wow really yeah that's an insane stat. Don't do the, it. The, not not climbing the shard specifically. No, that's so just the, climbing, free climbing. Someone someone did a. I will find the detail on it. But someone did a report on these the free climbing community and the death rate, as you might imagine, is astonishingly high. So yeah, yeah, it's illegal, dangerous. We don't condone it. Um, yeah. Now it's time for funny comment of the week with Mr. Liam Marsh. What have you got for us? All right, mate. This week, uh, so this is going off the sand video, and uh, keeping in line with you guys' love of talking about McDonald's, I've gone with a comment from the incredible Chicken Nugget. Imagine your country consisting of ninety percent desert, but then you have to pay and import sand. I thought that was quite good. <laughs> the frustration. <laughs> What's, what's his username? The Incredible Chicken Nugget. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Going back I'm to, envious. Going back to KO, I forgot to mention this earlier, and, 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 and again, t- aligning with you guys' love of talking about fast food on this podcast. KFC there, right, is like a proper restaurant. When you go there, you don't just go up to the counter. You actually, there's like a maitre d'. She stands there, or he, she stands there. Uh, you tell how many table, like how many people with you, and then they sit you down. They have table service. You have knives and forks. Like it's bizarre. I found it so weird when we went there. Someone had their thirtieth birthday when I was there, and it was like a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, are we seriously doing fast food again on this podcast? Yeah, of course (laughs) we are. Just rename it. Just rename it to something else. It's part of our identity. I hate mentioning well, it, but I want to bring this up. Construction podcast or something else, nice. Something better than that. Mukpod. Maybe the incredible chicken nugget can help us name it because yeah. he's obviously good at naming things. Or she? I say it's he or she. Yeah, could or be. They. Yeah. His comment or her comment. Imagine your or their comment. Imagine your country consisting of ninety percent desert, but you have to buy and import sand. It's almost like an Alanis Morissette line, isn't it? You know, she's like. It's like 10,000 spoons, but all you need is a knife. It's yeah. being the man of your dreams, then meeting his beautiful wife. It's, oh. You know? I think she should have put this in her record. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so. Uh, I think yeah. so. Maybe, 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 are you a musician, Fred? Do you, do you play? <laughs> no, do mate, but that, that's... Alonis, Alonis Morissette, Ironic's a pretty famous, overplayed song, so... I can imagine you playing bagpipes. <laughs> What like getting your legs from? out. Yeah, because my Scottish heritage. What? 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 <laughs> Have you got any Scots in your legs or? out? <laughs> getting your legs out. You know, tight t-shirt, kilt, and oh. uh, you know, Stop. blowing, on, blowing, him, blowing into the bad boy. Bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be great at that, mate. So, thanks for listening, guys. We want to know, as always, what you think. So, tell us what you think of Kuala Lumpur's new skyscraper boom. Tell us what you think of the global sand shortage uh, and the sand piracy that's going on. Singapore's new massive Terminal 5 that's been unveiled this week. Uh, A nutter climbing the shard in London. Uh, All your ideas for how to rename this podcast. We want to hear them. We want to get them in. Send us your emails. We'll read some of them out next week.